They're bad. They're boys. And occasionally, they talk about running. Yes, it's the Bad Boy Running Podcast with your hosts, Jody Rainsford and David Heller. Come back. Baby, come back. Bye, 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 bye. Bye, 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 bye. I must admit I was a clone to be messing around. But that doesn't mean that you have to leave town. Come back. So a bit, a bit subdued. I'll, I'll step outside so I can be as noisy as usual. But um, hello, listener. Welcome to Bad Boy Running. <laughs> well, really? Hello, listeners. How's it going? In fact, what I do, I'll, I'll do the start again, Nick. So uh, I'll step outside. So hopefully this is still right. Let's try again. Bye 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 there's that, and I'm tone deaf, so it's like a double whammy. <laughs> it's a mime in primary school choir. Did you really? Welsh... Yeah, can't sing. Oh, I love singing, but I can't sing. <laughs> wow, in some ways, it, it means you're not a Welshman, doesn't it? Yeah, it's crippling. It's absolutely crippling. Like being a sober um, Irishman, it just doesn't happen. But, um, well... <laughs> Do matters. Listen, welcome to Bad Boy Running. You you hopefully recognise my voice, but do you recognise this man's voice? Is this where Jody comes in and says something? <laughs> or am I supposed to say something here? Well, well is Jody by the way? What have you done with him? Jody is a good question, actually. So, listeners, the next few weeks, including this episode, are going to be a little bit different because Jody is. Whoa, whoa, whoa! What is Jody? I don't want to. I don't want to speak with you. Jody's not there. <laughs> I, that's, I didn't agree to this. Is it just you, Dave? It's I, I'm wearing the Jodie mask, which is why you're probably confused. But I'm afraid it's just me. Yeah, Jodie's in his, his busiest time of year. So the next few weeks, he's um, we're going to be mixing it up and around. But, well, I'm David Hellard. But who are you, sir? I'm who, Jack Blassington. How's it going? Amazing. <laughs> Can I borrow that mask back? <laughs> to be honest, your uh, your wife's already got one, so you just have to step to it. But do better. Welcome to the welcome to the podcast. We wanted to get Hugh on to. Um, if you haven't listened to Hugh's episode previously, go back to probably a hundred episodes ago. And listen to that; it's great. It's all about the dragon's back, was it? Yeah, dragon's back and a few other things. Yeah, it was just when that was coming out. Um, is, is it on about the hundredth episode? Is it? And, and then I felt bad because I, I, I hadn't given anything valuable. I just blabbered on for a couple of hours, and then I phoned back the next morning and said, "I better give you something useful here." <laughs> so there's two. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we did a second one with extra advice. So keep that in mind today. <laughs> We're talking through what you've been doing. That you know, informative sometimes does help. But our listener isn't expecting that. I wouldn't say. But um. Basically, we normally have a catch up before the the interviews. We've got quite a few interviews, but as Hugh is a friend and we all know him well and the stuff he's doing is just lots and lots of little bits all together in one epic TV show. I thought we'd get you on as one of the guest presenters to actually do a proper catch up. So Hugh, what's been happening? Ah, all sorts. Is this the bit where we're supposed to talk about what, what you had for lunch and stuff like that and like... Uh... <laughs> Death usually comes into it, doesn't it? Pork scratching, all sorts of weird stuff. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> what did you have for lunch, Dave? Um, I had a, a Sainsbury's three-pound meal, which uh, value meal, which I was very... No, to maybe Tesco, I was very satisfied with. Um, but have you been eating for racing? 
Have you been lunching for racing? <laughs> Not at all. I never do. No, no. Uh, I had cauliflower soup. There we go. That's about as interesting as pod's going to get. There we go. <laughs> well, how's um you you obviously are now um, probably inundated from responses to last night's episode of the new series of your show so um how's have you have you heard back from anyone well i'm waiting for your text really um i've, I've heard a few but but you know um it's a uh, it's because there's been three or four this is the this is the fourth one that's been out uh, has been um uh most people i reckon have texted the first time and then they got out of i don't want to um I, I hope that's what they're doing. They're saying, oh, I don't want to bug him anymore or or that they think the rest of them are really awful and they just don't want to let me know anymore. But um, no, they've slowed down, really. <laughs> so I'm actually one of the terrible friends who's, I, I thought last night was the first one and I forgot I was going to watch it. Yes. And then yes. I had to do some work for, for um, Caffeine Bullet. So I'm going to watch it tomorrow night instead but tell us about what the um well firstly how can people view it and tell us about what you're doing this time okay yeah it's on the bbc iplayer and uh, s4c um and there's a little subtitles a little button in the bottom right hand corner because it is in welsh mostly so uh, be prepared for that um but um and, and it's all looking into endurance and the different like elements of so the premise I, I did go in to the meeting to begin with with the 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 producers and say I wanted to make sort of like um, I thought there was a gap in the market since Euro Trash has left our screens and, <laughs> and you know it's two 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 my favourite programmes there and they said yeah we game we'll do that and I signed and then they proceeded to play a game of let's hurt who for like all summer so I'm yet to see any of the Takeshi Castle bits well, it's light Listeners, if, if you don't know what Eurotrash is from what I remember essentially is um, a a very playful slightly camp frenchman yeah continental <laughs> one show isn't it yeah. but they, 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 they seem to be constantly talking about naked cleaners who'd be going around cleaning places for my recall for some reason male cleaners as well listener in case you're wondering if it, it, it was pervy towards them and towards other women but essentially back in the 90s before you could watch hardcore porn you uh, you watched Euro Trash, pretending it was comedy, but actually being a bit titillated by nudity. <laughs> Is that a fair <laughs> description? So you're doing that for a six-part episode. No, no, that's what I wanted to. That's the. <laughs> it was a very important part of my childhood. Dave. Don't dish it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so essentially, spent... you're doing naked endurance challenges. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, yeah. Minus the naked bit, uh, unfortunately. Well, no, that's probably fortunate because, uh, yeah, obvious reasons. Don't think many people want to tune into that. So, so which because you've you've done quite a few epic challenges in the past. Last time we spoke, you talked about how you'd done the, you'd done the spine. You'd done some world championships of mountain long distance mountain bike racing or something in New Zealand. And are you are you mixing it up the sports as much this time as you have in your 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 life today? Um, yeah, yeah, kind of. Using it, I've I've stuck to fell running now, so it's. But the the premise of the whole program is to look at the all the underlying things that go into endurance and what defines it, because it's quite hard. It's not just running, is it? It's not just cycling. It's you know you you play table tennis long enough, you're you're into the realms of endurance, and you and it's trying to look at all the psychology, science, and. Um, and the physiology behind 
what what makes you like what makes the, the top guys tick and what makes you um what makes us capable of doing it what makes us what what effect it has on our bodies as well it's a I'm, really I'm just going to call you up on that um I, I assume table tennis has never been played long enough to be an endurance sport or do you know of some feat that I'm yet to be aware <laughs> of <laughs> no I think there's a gap in the market for a bad boy running world record there, isn't there? <laughs> so, um, so then, so six episodes then is quite like really amount, a long amount of time to be um, focusing on this as an issue. Five episodes. So, so how do you, how have you tested these things? So, um, it's that long? As I said, yeah. So we go around meeting different people from different backgrounds. You know, we meet a Shaolin monk. I go on. He's an incredible guy. Um, I go meet a cage fighter. I go meet someone who's rowing across the Atlantic solo. I go meet an ultra runner. She's been on the pod. Laurie Morgan. Do you know if she's been oh, on the yeah, pod? Oh, yeah, Laurie. She's great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah Laurie. And then oh, there's various people from all sorts. There's, there's like a Paralympic kayaker as well. Um, and we, we're, we're looking at what what got them into it, what what. And we look at different elements that you can take from each one. So with, the, for instance, the cage fighter, the Shaolin monk, that's looking at pain, how to deal with pain. Because, you know, you, you enter an endurance race, you're going to be in a lot of pain for a lot of the time. When you're in, and it's probably one of the biggest things is how do you cope with it and how do you deal with it? And if you can do, do that well, then you probably are one of the top uh, endurance athletes, aren't you? Um, and, and, and did uh, those two better, people... The cage but did the cage fighter and the Shannon Monk have very different approaches for dealing with it? Oh, yeah. We, um, I was expecting them to. I was expecting them to because, you know, for obvious reasons, you think you meet, you think of a cage fighter, you've got this um, this image in, in your, well, I did anyway. I, I thought I knew the type of person I was going to meet. And he was called Brett Johns, this guy. But he completely blew me, blew me away. It was like he's such a deep, deep thinker about what, what he's doing nothing's by accident he, he's he's got he had some really cool things to say and things that actually affected yeah it, it did did affect me you know like i was going into it a little bit like oh this is just a bit of a gimmick for the tv program blah 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 you know like um what am i going to learn from a cage fighter but but you, you know I, I left and it had affected me and it did help it's um one of the most simple things he said was um because one incident he showed me a clip right of him fighting where he'd fractured fractured his eye socket in the one of the first first moments of the fight <laughs> and he'd carried on knowing with he he knew for well what he'd done because you know they, they're quite in tune with their bodies and he he knew there's there's some damage done there but he carried on regardless and he went on to win that fight um but, but three rounds later you know knowing full well that he was doing damage every punch that was landing he was doing more damage and and to me that was like wow you, how can you carry on like that and he was saying the pain of quitting would be much harder to deal with than the physical pain and that is just really simple message and it, and it resonates with, with everything that I've been doing over the years and it's just like yeah and an easy way of, of when, when you're like thinking of quitting thinking of stopping in that pub on like the fourth checkpoint of uh of the ultra marathon on pentlin or something that that's the kind of thing you want to be thinking about it and all these little things and i that was just that's just one example but does he does he do things to cultivate that um that 
that desire and also because we can all have that feeling but then when we're in the moment when we've got immense pain it's about whether you then almost out of it's out of your control how much you actually want it and how much that yes. that that almost pain of quitting is because on some races there's zero pain in quitting if you haven't trained for it like if you've done a park run you you hurt your ankle you're like oh sod it i just go and get a coffee you, you don't care so was yeah. is, was he doing something yeah. to actually increase the pressure and to to make that pain so much larger so that when he was in fight mode it was overshadowing any physical pain he'd have well you, you've just hit the nail on the head there right but, but... One of, that's just one of the episodes is on pain. Another one is on fear and how to use it, and 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 the con- not not just the bad connotations of it, of but of of if if you're afraid of something enough, you're going to put in everything to prepare for it. And you, you if, unless you've got that fear, that respect for whatever you're trying to do, you're not going to sacrifice the things that you need to do in order to prepare properly for it. And unless you've done that, if you put that sacrifice in and all that time, all that effort, not just you, the people around you and stuff, then once you're in it, quitting is easy. You've sacrificed shitloads and, you know, you've put a lot of stuff into it and the people around you have, especially people around you, I reckon, um, then quitting becomes incredibly hard doesn't it really you, when, when when there's so much riding on it so it's all sort of interweaves w- with each other it's no there's no one element to endurance and that's probably the biggest thing that i left with it was the importance of all of the like the fear the be, being scared of something being scared of something proper makes you sacrifice things and then allows you to be able to deal with pain because it's nothing really compared to and letting people down or letting letting yourself down so do you think we should all be going out and and laying massive bets with people that we're going to finish something (laughs) or that we're gonna i mean jody's currently by the time this podcast comes out probably two weeks away from having to do an ironman next year because he's he's doesn't seem to have run a 5k in the last year let alone under the sub 22 minutes although I, i i secretly suspect he's already run it but hasn't told me but um yes yeah, so, so should we be going out and creating all of this extra pressure by um external means yeah i definitely we could even i could even contact the cage fire and we could threaten <laughs> jody with the cage fire and i reckon you know talking about the fear and using fear to your advantage let's just threaten jody with uh, a world champion cage fire <laughs> really massive cauliflower ears. He looked, he looked proper dangerous. You know, I think it didn't work. I think he hit the nail on the head there, Dave. Although in a way, I think if you're going to fight a cage fighter, the one who looks really pretty is probably the one you've got to be the most scared of because <laughs> no one's ever landed a punch. He's too quick. He's too good. <laughs> you've got the really ugly one. Like, you know, this guy's been like anyone could be this guy. <laughs> yeah, the hard paper on this guy. Yeah, bad cage fighter. <laughs> so, so then he had fear he had um pain what what were the other three critical um elements that you found um the the, the others kind of wove themselves into so we had um uh, um uh success and failure 
there's another one. It was one episode, like how to deal if you want success too much, then you're going to go overboard and burn yourself out. And then, and the fear of, of failing. So that, that seesaw balance. And for that, we went to speak with them, a Paralympic uh, kayaker. She was trying to um, uh, qualify for the next Paralympic Games. Um, I think it's in 2020. Uh, she knows she was got an incredible woman. She she had a car accident, and, and you know she she and she start found kayaking after, and um and she she landed and found she'd had this incredible gift for what she was doing, and but she was was in this team right turning up to Nottingham every day, every morning she'd been training with these other girls. There was five of them training together and there was one spot in the team. All Paralympians. Wow. So they've succeeded in getting there, but then they're in this massive pressure cooker now um, of trying to get into that team. And we went there when they were in the middle of it. And, and, you know, it was a couple of weeks until selection was due. And I got to rate, I got to have a go in one of the kayaks. <laughs> Don't know why that I, makes I, me laugh. <laughs> um, but anyway, that that and and then talking to her about that that balance and how to cope with not being afraid of of failing. Basically, that that's the thing that came in there and reframing things. Reframing that's the phrase that she used. Like and and trying to or if you unless you reframe that thing of taking a step back and saying, yeah, I. I I, I didn't complete that. I didn't get into the team, but look where I am. I, I'm one of these five people, the best in Britain, doing this, and and that 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 was key to keeping her mental state of mind in the right place. And was and, that uh, something that she was that a narrative that she wrote once she hadn't got in? Like, or, or no, was... no, no, she was still in contention. She was still in contention. But you, I reckon, you got to lay those foundations because if you're in that position, I reckon one of five people you probably she, she knew who was going to get in because you kind of know don't you if you're mm. racing with these people every day mm. and training with them you know if someone's stronger than you and she knew that there was one girl that was head and shoulders above the rest and she was more than likely going to be the one that got chosen so she was laying the foundations of how to deal with it i reckon and because it's a massive success in it to, to get into that position she's going to be in the european team she's going to be in all mm. that but for the olympics there was only one spot and um just to yeah that reframing thing and 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 because it was a, this whole tv series i should have brought this up sooner is geared towards me attempting a paddy buckley at the end which is you know pushing my abilities to the right to the limit really you know on paper <laughs> anyway it's, it's a 106 kilometer mountain run 8700 meters of ascent and um it's one of the British rounds, all off, off, off road. It's on mountain side, basically, in it. So it's fell, and uh, it's it's not easy to complete. So yeah, I'm, I mean, I've it's a lot harder than the Bob Graham round, isn't it? It's known to be partly because of the course, partly just because you you're not going to have a team of runners and supporters in the same way you would in the Lake District, where it seems like someone's doing the Bob Graham every week almost in the summer. Um, yeah, it's just if you look at the. Um, I think the best the best way to look at how difficult something is is to look at the record. I'll have a look at well the fastest time is I think the Bob Graham's uh, twelve hours something yeah. Um, the Paddy Buckley is two hours plus slower, so it's two hours slower than the the Bob Graham. So if you're talking percentage, then you you don't almost twenty 
of maybe 17 percent harder mm. Mm. um and then the round it's 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 the only round british round that you don't really have to finish within 24 hours to be deemed a success that's what they say oh but, really yeah yeah because it, 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 it's like um is that what they say or is that what you're now saying yeah yeah let's redefine it that's what it is now okay okay <laughs> no we'll i don't want to reveal what happens <laughs> yeah yeah i mean <laughs> I think if but I was, if I was I a think, betting man, I'd bet you to do sub twenty four. I'm I'm not saying a thing. I will say um, it's one of the hardest things I've ever done, and mainly because one of the biggest storms I've ever been stupid enough to be out in hit within with fifteen hours to go, something like that. So it oh. was done in. Uh, well, I'm stopping there, or I'm going to spoil stuff. But yeah, it was it, absolutely. Did you know that was coming as well when you set off, or, or did it set in at a time you weren't expecting? We, we, we were due. We were due to start the day after we moved the schedule, and you know it, it, the logistics of this thing are incredible. Anyway, you know you're talking. Mm. Even if you just you just had runners supporting you, you've got maybe twenty people there, runners and and supporters, people coming driving cars here and there and everywhere. Then on top of it, what we had was the camera crew. And it was a hell of an operation. You know, you're talking, there was four full camera crews. There was one drone pilot. There was one, uh, loads of people with GoPros. Um, So reorganizing it, which we had to do because of the storm that came in, um, we had to move it a day forward, was uh, a nightmare. It was absolutely, we we had to reorganize (laughs) all the sport runners, imagine, with a couple of days left. So I went from having like a good three, three support runners on each leg to having, um, well, at one stage there was less than one. But then the good thing with runners is you put something like, so they, they respond, it's an incredible community in it, really. Mm. You put something like this, any sort of like um, someone in need, bang. In the end, I had almost more runners than I had scheduled because people came out of the woodwork all over the shop. What Sam from Ultra X, you know, Sam. Oh, yeah, 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 my uh, MDS flatmate. Yeah, he 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 drove up. For, for, he came up from London to to help out on one leg, the the, the nastiest night leg as well. <laughs> uh, incredible, it's, you know things like that. There's no words for it. It's just like so. If Sam tries it, I'm there for it. But and all of them, you know, like ev- ev- everyone, just incredible. And with um, with with the added pressure of of things like the drone pilot, the camera crews, does that actually change how you? undertake a challenge like that are you having to actually think about um other things other than just your running and and do you have to slow down or speed up at certain sections because you've got to get the shot yeah yeah um it, it does it does affect it the, the the obvious things like that because i've got to speak to a camera haven't i for a bit because that's that's the, i've got to think about that that's why i'm doing it to, to a degree i'd be doing it anyway but then this stuff is to take part in this, I've got to give a little bit of time and sacrifice a little bit of of um, of the, the 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 chance of completing in order to that to create a, a TV program out of it. And that's what I'm signing up to. So I knew that. That's the little thing. But the biggest thing is the responsibility that I felt it beforehand and the pressure because you know you're doing this. A lot of people 
lot of the pros and stuff, they don't say a word to anyone that they're attempting a Bob Graham. You know, like Killian did it. He didn't say anything, did he, until two days before. He yeah. Like, oh, he was yeah. looking for support runners. Um, it's because it's pressure, isn't it? As soon as in the public domain, people are watching, and there's pressure. And for me, it was not only the pressure of me completing it and, and you, you're you going out there on a limb and you're saying, oh, I'm, I'm going to give this a go. Almost like as soon as it's public, it's almost like um, you're going out there and saying, I'm going to complete this, aren't I? And, and then what happens? Well, I, I think these days there's people are so used to the formats of documentaries and TV shows that actually... I think we're due a, f- a few failures, failures, and I, and I think it makes better television because people can understand that more, and then people actually trust it because when when you see successes, it does all it does to a little bit make you think. Well, when they were moaning, how bad was it, or well, just how hard is it to do that? But when you see the failure, and there's normally a very good reason, or it's just because of the, the overall difficulty, at least then you've got that confirmation that yeah this was this has to have all been real because they would have they could have faked the they wouldn't fake a failure essentially oh well yeah there is there is nothing yeah this is in horrific detail all of this so um and and they managed to cap capture every single fall i had every single stupid thing i do there's a cameraman in my face, imagine. And there's a lot of that. You know, when you're up on your feet for 24 hours running, there's a lot of stupid stuff that happens, isn't it? And are you allowed to swear when you're on the camera oh, there? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, it, during the filming of the, the series, you know, when I go and meet people, that's mm. what, I've got to watch what I say. That is, that is more presenting work than it is um, doing a challenge. But once I'm doing a challenge, once I'm doing doing the actual thing, that's just me and and I told them I I, I can't I'm not going to hold anything back there because you know it's part and parcel, isn't it? It's, <laughs> it's all real and they can bleep yeah. it and stuff, but they're not. Yeah, I wasn't holding anything back. But and- back to the thing about pressure, I was. It was not just the pressure of me finishing; it was the pressure of these people's jobs are relying on me being fit to do this. So in the month leading up to it, you can imagine if I'd have had done something to my knee and has happened shit loads of times before you know mm. if i'd have fallen over if i'd have gone too hard training or i i actually stopped playing touch rugby for three months i love touch rugby it's, it's absolutely incredible game and just like i get I get my fix every monday night after college but then because i do sometimes pick up injuries for me i get to stop it i couldn't deal with the the, the, the thing of well if i get injured now this thing that's being commissioned by S4C, which which is these people's jobs for a good four months, I'm not going to be able to do it. And and the whole thing then is just a flop. And, and then that's surprisingly for me, anyway, because I wasn't expecting that sort of pressure, but it just comes at you at all angles, really. And that was quite hard to, to that was the nastiest one to, to deal with. And, and what's the thinking now then? Are you, because I've, I've seen you speak before where you're, um, you've started off saying you're a writing journalist and you've got into that, then you're saying you're a TV person, now you're into that. Are you looking to now break out into larger, I guess, global challenges and bring on a bigger audience? Oh, um, no. 
I'm an engineer, full stop. I, I, I do this stuff for fun. And anything that's in my path that I can do for fun like this, it's just also like um, they allow me to go and do these challenges, you know, by doing it through the telly and stuff and through these various media channels. It's just sort of like a, a tool I can use to have more fun, if you like. So I've got no aspirations to do anything more than I'm doing now. Uh, it's just uh, and see what see what comes in, whatever's in front of my nose. <laughs> and, and do you think this will lead to more uh, similar s- style challenges on S, uh, S4C? Um, I hope so. I, it, it, it depends completely on various factors, you know, because there's, there's a couple of people that will decide what sort of um, series they want to uh, commission and then... Mm. And then it'll depend on whether or not we what we offer lines up because I just don't want to do anything, anything just to just to get get on telly or you know I want to do things that I want to use it to do things that I really want to do, and because it's a big but everyone's got a big bucket list and they and I want to try and work work way through it, um, and uh, and use the caffeine bullet to 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 get me there because I'm hearing <laughs> good things. Absolutely, and and, and in terms That's of then. What do you want to do with that? What was your aspirations? Is that is that your main goal, or is it your yeah. podcast? What's, your, uh, what's the what's the sense I mean, of your work? I love the I love the podcast, but we've I mean it's cost JD and I money um, overall, and then in terms of the uh, caffeine bullet, hopefully just about to break out into service stations, bars, and gyms. Um, but more more to follow on that. But um, it's not about me. It's not about me. But um, yeah, so from from the from the episodes, then what would you say if if you were to advise someone who who is an ultra runner? You know, what what have you learned that is useful and they can put into practice in their training and how they approach races? What's been the uh, the, the the thing that's really opened your eyes? I see, I see what you're doing here, Dave. Yeah. You, you're um, heading me off at the pass, and yeah, so I don't have to phone you back later on and say, "Actually, Dave, I've got some useful stuff to say." <laughs> right, that's um, uh, okay, so the, the biggest thing is to branch out. I reckon. You, do you know, like, um, because we're in this bubble. If you're an ultra and you're obsessed with ultra running, because you have to be really, if you, mm. because it takes so much of your time, doesn't it? Um, branch out, have a look at other sports, see what they're doing. Because I learned so much just by looking at these guys, Shaolin Monk. Uh, I, I, I didn't think I'd learn anything from him. You know, I turned up. He was dressed in a tea towel. I was like, guy. But I, I come away a different person. He was an incredible man. Paul Wong, he was called. The, I, I'll just go into this guy a little bit. He, his father, was the only um, Shaolin monk to survive the the civil I don't know if it was a civil war but there was a big war in in China um, around about seventy years ago and he was the only South China Shaolin monk to survive and he did that by swimming to Hong Kong and he got picked up on a boat and and he was taken to South Africa by this boat because he was going there that, and he is the only man that um, n- uh, knew the ways of the South China Shaolin monks. So he passed that on to his son, who was Paul Wong, and they ended up in Wrexham, of all places, where the, China, <laughs> the Chinese takeaway um, uh, business. And this this Welsh Shaolin monk is the only guy, surviving guy, that, that, that knows the ways of the 
South China Shaolin Monk, and he's a world expert in it. Now, I'm a, the story behind this guy is absolutely incredible, and the man himself is he's, he's, he's even he was even sort of deeper. Some of the things you were saying, you know, like um, I was ex- going in expecting like mumbo jumbo, wishy washy, and mm. I got completely opposite, and, and and I think I'd be a hard customer to um, to to win over. You know, I'd be critic. I'd be like, oh, I don't know, but but this guy, and and most of these people were like that, you know. So the biggest thing I've taken from this whole thing is is that is to um, branch out and to share summits with people. I reckon there's no, you, you know, like the best thing about doing a Paddy Buckley is being able to run it with a posse, you know, with your mates. Is there, mm-hmm. is there anything better than being sharing a summit, you know, and uh, it, it just adds so much to it. There's no point being up there on your own. And that, that's, that's a, a big thing that keeps you going as well. So unless you get other people involved, then your chances of success go plummet, I reckon. Not not because of the obvious, you haven't got anyone to carry food or water for you, but, but for that reason of camaraderie and like, um, you be, feel that feeling of letting people down, letting these guys have sacrificed their day to help you. If you don't finish, then it's kind of letting them down. It's like, yeah, yeah it's a big thing that, um, and I, th- I think uh, that's a good message for the podcast as well. Just surround yourself with people, engage your community, because uh, yeah. yeah, a lot of a lot of lonely people out there, and, and ultra running can be very lonely, as you know, um, for yeah. vast waves of it. Some of it's chosen loneliness, <laughs> but or chosen isolation, <laughs> but but yeah, absolutely. Um, and and yeah, hold just, hands together. <laughs> <laughs> and just on the Shaolin monk, then. So how does he? Does he still? practice you doing those hitting each other with bars and because in my head that's what they do they're basically um yeah orange ninjas hey see orange ninjas yeah he did he did look like you know um i used to love the ninja turtles you know you know um shredder Shredder. no 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 not shredder um splinter Splinter. Splinter. he he just reminded me of splinter like wise he didn't (laughs) look like a rat he was like but he was, he was just, yeah, he, he started hitting a tree at one stage and he was just talking to me at the same time. And I was like, this guy's cool. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. That, that's it. I think that's episode two, I think. Have, have a look at it. Or three. I don't know. Amazing. And, cool. and the cage cool. fight is just as, just as good. He's a hell of a cage fighter as well. He's like one of the best in the world. He's in the UFC, you know, guy from Swansea, Brett Johns. Um, and, and, you know, Completely the opposite of what I was expecting. Um, uh, really cool guy, um, amazing. Yeah, um, and the camera. One one thing as well is the logistics of filming this thing is probably more more impressive than actually doing the Paddy Buckley. Like it was an absolutely incredible job. Like the cameraman, every cameraman, you know, they were they were running up these mountains, but they were lugging a shit ton of kit. And they had to get up three, four summits within like 12 hours. So they'd be running down and they'd be a hell of a logistical team because there's a tracker and they had to pinpoint where I'd be. They'd be running up the next mountain and four of them, four teams sort of circling around each other. And did the camp there. Do they have to train physically uh, themselves then in preparation? No, I think, I think Comunida, the, the TV company, the S4C uh, commissioned to do this, are blessed in that they're they're based in Snowdonia so 
they're naturally, they're, 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 they've got like 60 or 70 people working for them anyway. And out of those, there's a vast majority of them are mountain goats. You know, like the the, the guy, um, the head honcho, um, Doug's, the, head, the guy who owns the company pretty much, he ran a leg with me. He was supporting me. Nothing to do with like, he wasn't filming or anything. He was just there as a supporter. And he's 57 and he was he was charging ahead, you know. Like, and <laughs> another one, the, the guy who's um, edit, um, is it? Oh, the only one, he's one of the, one of the, the main guys behind the the the, the program, he he's doing the same thing in the nastiest leg. And when the weather hit, he, he was out there, but GoPro in one hand, Lucas Aiden in the other, you know, taking me over this mountain. Um, and then whoever then who was it? it was the actual the, the guy who's cutting it all. He's a hell of a mountain biker and used to being out on a mountain. Guess I'm naming them all now. I've started, so I've got to carry on. Sorry, Dave, you just have to deal with this. <laughs> Gethins, two Gethins, Gethins squared, two of the fittest people, I've, you know, because they were... So essentially think, a team, that the whole team were were athletes by nature anyway. Yeah, by nature, by fluke, you know. This, yeah. And this definitely would not have worked um, without that. Uh, Mary as well. Yeah, she's she's a hard nut. Well, I'm going to cut you there. I'm going to cut. You, I'm going to cut you short there before before we go through the entire credits of the, uh, the documentary. <laughs> I'd gladly um, carry on, but yeah, that's a key thing with it. Is it, it, it's a, it's worth a look behind the scenes. There's an article I think out on it. On it's made it into broadcast, which is like a big, um, the big big deal for them. It's, it's like a for for the media people yeah. out there and. There's there's an article on the logistics and how they how they went about sorting this out, which is pretty impressive. And I was completely oblivious to. I was just there demanding bananas and stuff. Again. <laughs> so, so off, it, yeah. is there any way to see it then, other than on the the BBC iPlayer? Is there anywhere online for if people are international or? Um, I reckon there's so many like you know like Tunnel Bear and shit like that. Like you you can you can um, VPNs are they? I don't know if they're legal. So if they're illegal, I did not say that right now, okay? But, yeah, um, if in illegal, fact, the BBC iPlayer is completely free if you've got a TV licence. If uh, if you're abroad, I don't think their vans are going to come round and uh, and charge you a fine. So yeah, VPN, BBC iPlayer. And what was the name of the show again? Um, it's 47COPA, and it means Petwardek Saith Copa. It means 47 Summits. Um, if you just put my name, Hugh Jack Brassington, in that it'll come up. So don't think think of Hugh, Hugh Jackman, but the Welsh version essentially. Hugh Jack yeah. Brassington, so it's kind of the same. But um, well, mate, thank you so much for coming on to tell us about that. We've we've <laughs> we've got a, we've got another guest to come now. I've no idea who it's going to end up being though, because of the way the next few weeks of recording are going to be. But what we'll do, we'll put your um your episode link underneath the potty and in the show notes. And uh, yeah, do batters, let us know what you think. Get watching, and we'll. Uh, We'll pass your feedback on to Hugh. Okay, Dubadders, now we've got a really interesting interview for you um, that's going to be even more interesting considering Ali and I um, have uh, such an expert understanding about OCR. Um, but if you recall, a few weeks ago, we discussed uh, the controversy around the Spartan 4.0, uh, 4.0 group and the banning of an individual for inappropriate behavior 
And apparently this is kind of like the tip of the iceberg. So um, that article came out in October and just after the um, the person who was responsible for, for going into the deep investigation around that um, reached out to us. And so we have got him on today. So please welcome Obstacle Racing Media's Matt B. Davis. Yay! So first of all, you should know that I am a bit of an Anglophile. So I enjoy hearing words like controversy. Oh, lovely. Lovely. Well, how you, oh, controversy, yeah, yeah. In, in America, we say controversy. Well, I'm sure Dave, David, David mispronounces everything, so I'm sure- No, it's much intro, better. It's, it's much better the way you guys say it. It's much better. It sounds, it sounds more- it sounds, it sounds controversial. That's what it sounds. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's onomatopoeic. <laughs> yes, that too. I'm very tired. <laughs> so, well, I appreciate you. I appreciate you making this happen. I know it's. Uh, is it? Is it? Nine p.m. There. It's eight. It's eight twenty-three as we speak. Okay. It's very. It's very very late for me, and it's about. What are you about? Forty-nine hours on from from your last sleep, Ali. Yeah, yeah, sort of. I've been travelling for the last forty-eight hours. Or various. From, where? from Namibia. From the desert. <laughs> She ran it. She ran all the way back. That was the problem. What was, I should have. I would be quicker. What was in Namibia? Um, a big desert full of sand and um, about 40 people and a race which we were hoping to, which I was hoping to organise. And then we had a massive party on Saturday night to celebrate our epic adventure. And then I was told that at two o'clock in the morning, a car was coming to take me to the airport to get on the flight home, which meant I got absolutely no sleep. And uh, here I am now. What's the endurance the, uh, athlete, Ali Bailey. <laughs> what's the what's the uh, race? So it's called. This is great. It's called Race to the Wreck, and uh, it is a race across the. Uh, <laughs> and then you're a wreck as you raced away from it. As yeah, well. I was race to become a wreck. So it goes across the Namib Nukluft Park, which runs from uh, west to no east to west and it's a this park you're not allowed in it no one's allowed in it it's, it's government owned and uh, it's, the, it's the oldest desert on earth so it's five days two days on a bike uh, three days running or just five days running and you go and run to the wreck of the edward bolan which is that massive boat um that's that's been wrecked on the outside of it and it's pretty epic but it's hard work i'll tell you that much so i just quickly looked and it says connected to rat race so do you work for rat race oh sometimes Work is a funny word, isn't it? But yeah, I am. I I, I do work with Rat Race quite closely. I'm Rat Race's uh, ambassador, so um, I go out and help people, tell them to grow a vagina, as I say, and get on with it when they're crying in the desert. But no one was crying in the desert, and it was great, and everybody nailed it. So it was brilliant. Only two people had dehydration and sunstroke, so we got away with it. Right. Well, so doesn't wait. So doesn't Pete work there? Yeah, Pete. Yeah, Pete used to work there. Pete's freelance now. Um, but but if you know Pete, how can you know nothing about OCR? Well, I was Pete with Pete. Pete is OCR. I was with Pete yesterday or the day before, I can't remember, sitting in a bar in Windeck Airport talking about you and talking about OCR. And he did do some explaining to me. Um, okay. But he knows that I'm a simple creature and he knows that I'm ne- you're never going to find me swinging from some monkey bars because my arms are like wet spaghetti. So um, he just doesn't talk to me about it, really. All I ever see from Pete about OCR is his motorcycle T-shirt and that's it. But Pete's great. Had, we love Pete. This is, this is <laughs> you know, say we don't know anything about OCR. We've had Pete on twice talking about OCR and we still don't think we know anything about OCR. All right. So, <laughs> so let's so let's so let's break it down a little bit. So first of all, you could sort of think of me 
as an American Pete, although Pete is sort of well-loved by everyone, and I'm more of the you either really like me or really hate me kind of person. So um, that's, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. You're on the right and podcast. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Which is why I liked you guys when somebody said, uh, I'd heard of you, I've heard of your show, and I might have listened to one way back, but then someone said, hey, they talked about you a bit, um, and I went and listened. I was like, oh, yeah, I like these guys. So obstacle racing as a whole, you know, we're sort of, you know, we're sort of the, you know, the bad boy running, if you will, for the people that just run street 5Ks, right? They think we're a little wacky, right? Not quite there. But, of course, in our sport, as there are in all things, you've got people who take it far too seriously. You've got people who think they're Instagram models. You've got people who just do it for fun. You've got some elite athletes who you know are great. So I started Obstacle Racing Media as a podcast back in 2012 because it seemed like a fun thing for me. I started doing this thing. It seemed really fun. This thing being Spartan races, Tough Mudders running in the mud, over walls, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I've I sort of, in many ways, right place, right time, right? So I started just as OCR was happening, and I got a pod, I was one of the first ones to have a podcast about it. So a lot of it is is good timing, and I believe I'm pretty talented, right? I'm good at what I do, and so therefore, uh, I, I do what, you know, you know, people now really love this term content creator, um, which I hate. So people ask me what I do and I'm just like, well, I talk to people, I write things, I make videos. And so that's what I do for the obstacle world. Uh, much like Pete did over there, I turned it into a business. Um, although Pete did a much smarter thing than I did in that he really rallied a community around him. Um, and I didn't necessarily do that. Uh, because I think everyone, that's, again, the think, like, as you learn, as you guys have, you have a community, right? Mm -hmm. People yeah. that are your tribe, they wear your brand, people recognize each other by, like, hey, we enjoy taking the piss or whatever the brand is. They recognize um, each other by swearing loudly at each other in public places. But, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. So, that's, does that help some? Does that catch you up some? Yeah, yeah. And so, how do, how do you kind of go, then, from... Um, a transition because you know if, if you're kind of like that for us how do you go from a transition between um, doing what you do to then going and doing this kind of like investigative piece of work that led all the way to, to, to where we are now yeah so back even back in 2012 2013 we started having some like charlatans like races that were not quite up to snuff or there was one race that actually wasn't paying people, a race that offered to pay people and wasn't paying uh, like the winners or the vendors. Yeah. And it was this thing that like everybody talked about, but nobody really like put out there. And I was like, well, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna be the news and information about this sport, like I think I'm gonna be the one to do this. And so. Um, you know, just as we'll get to this current story, I was liked by many and hated by many. Oh, you're you're just trying to bring them down. You're just trying to get clicks, like all this stuff. And um, interestingly enough, in the first 
in the first few months of it, a lot of people got really upset. And then later when this guy turned out to close up shop and owe even more people money, they were like, oh, I guess you were right. So sadly in my industry, there is no one like me. Everyone is just like, let's all be best friends because they're afraid it's going to cost them money or access, right? Um, which, by the way, I realized goes all the way up to, you know, not to compare myself, but, you know, if you're familiar with the National Football League, which is the this gazillion-dollar sport, yeah, and all the networks kind of don't really say much when stuff happens. Like ESPN is in bed with the NFL. So mm -hmm. when stuff happens, they're like, they look the other way or they don't really report on it or, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, do you know what? That's that's quite interesting because I've worked in the music industry for a long time. There is a point to this. And one of the reasons I got out of it was because of this whole politics thing where no one ever told the truth and it was always like smoke and mirrors. Then I come to work in running and it's the same thing. Like with the trail running community, like you're saying with the OCR community, there is stuff that goes on, but no one actually talks about it. The, the darker stuff and the bad stuff. And it's like, oh, yeah, isn't the running community really, really great? But it's like, actually, like anything, like any community anywhere, there's always going to be a couple of bad apples in it. Um, and everyone, everyone knows who they are. That's the thing. Yeah. Like, we know who they are. Everyone knows that. All the race directors know who they are. And like, why? But so why is no one saying that and telling consumers and runners or who they are? Because, well, because of the politics, because of the, the thing is, there's so many things tied to, to you know, the, the success of their races or, or, or perceived success of the races. Usually it comes down to dollars. And I'm certain that I could have made a lot more money. You know, I guess there, it's in some senses it's good that I'm the only one who does it because I can be the one who does it and not have competition for it. But in the other times, I do wish that more people would come along and and you know call a spade a spade and and you know help keep people more honest. Do you think? Do you think because OCR doesn't have the same like uh, type of associations that maybe it, like the running community have had for a long time and because it, it's a relatively like newcomer on the, on the block uh that actually and and it very very quickly you know rose to, to to getting so much attention do you think that that's probably what attracted so many charlatans or do you think it's it's just similar to, to pretty much everything else it's just it's much more open well yeah i mean 2012 13 14 people looked at the you know, millions that were being made by Spartan, Tough Mudder, and Warrior Dash. And they were like, I own a piece of property. I can have a race. And I think it was everybody from people who thought they would put on a good race and then were bad at it to people who flat out lied and like literally did not put on a race. Like, wow. there was a guy I remember. I, I can <laughs> for say, Fire I, Festival, but for OCR. This is amazing. Worse, worse. I can send you links to articles I wrote. There was a guy who the address he listed for the site was a uh, target parking lot. Um, <laughs> I'm not kidding. But he and, could have said that was part of the event. Like part of the event is to actually find out where the event actually is. I'll right. send you to a target parking lot. To be fair, it's like a, a party. That sounds like the start of an ultra. It does. Right. <laughs> right? And so th this guy had all these races listed and, and we called him out on it. And I think, you know, and I say we, because the community has, has like, helped because they they do their part and they comment and they say it as well and they share it with their friends and i think we the community have have shut a lot of people down who otherwise would have done more damage 
Um, but to, to be quite frank, it's dangerous, isn't it? Like, if, if do you guys actually have like a governing body of any no, sort? No, 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 no. So it's <laughs> like it's actually dangerous. Anybody can just go. I've got a couple of barrels, a tractor, and a muddy pond in my back garden. I'm going to start an OCR race. Yeah, and sadly, those that have tried to make an organization are also slimy themselves. Like, we're going to be the governing body, and people are like, well, who the fuck are you? And you know. It's a brand new sport in many ways. You know, it's like seven, eight years old, maybe 10. And I know it'll all figure itself out, but it hasn't yet. One of the biggest reasons is um, the biggest brands don't play well with each other. They think they're the sport. And so why do I need to, you know, work with this guy? Whereas things like, you know, just regular rail running or all the other sports seem to find that pretty quickly. Like, well, Hey, we need to somehow work together to make this part of the greater good. Um, But even then, you know, as you know, there's, there's still horrible politics and whatever. Yeah. uh, But it's it's, every, at every level, I guess it's the same Like with trail running. I mean, I can only talk from a UK level, but with the trail running community, they all seem generally to get along because they're all doing, the same thing but they're all doing it differently and they all have their own like usp type thing so it's kind of like they all can trot along together but with ocr is it different because there seems to be it all seems in my head an ocr is an ocr there'd be some monkey bars a bit of fire a load of bros with their numbers written on their faces and that's it so you know do you, do you find that within that community do people kind of get be like this is my bit of turf you can all fuck off or do they work together to kind of be like Spartan do it differently to Tough Mudder to whoever else right so what you just described is what a lot of people think and that's just that's like saying well you know you're a runner you must only eat you know vegan food and you do yoga and you look at your watch for every you know step and right I'm guessing that's not you that's actually Jody you just described Jody (laughs) so 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 yes the you know there's there's a lot of there's definitely is some uh, bros and then there's some uh, people who uh, you know signed up for a race one day and had this amazing experience of challenging themselves and usually met a group of people they really like you know it usually is the community that sort of keeps it all together I know that word again gets thrown out around a lot but you know people travel to these races you know, really far and they're doing it with their friends, you know, mm-hmm. they're carpooling down. I don't know if you know this, but America is a very large country. So to get from one point to the other takes a really long time. Mm-hmm. So people are, you know, riding in cars together or, you know, staying at hotels or whatnot. Um, so, you know, I, I would say that, you know, like none of my friends are bros, but there's definitely some bros in there and there's some very douchey people in there. And uh, it's actually getting better like people are starting to be a little bit more vocal and saying, Hey, I think that guy is kind of a douche. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. and that used to never happen. Um, everyone was just afraid of whatever. Um, but yeah, the biggest brands for the most part are very, you know, very much about their own thing. And the smaller brands kind of do what you said where, Hey, we're all kind of trying to do the same thing. Um, so in ter- so in terms of the brands, okay. So this is like this is I think I find this really interesting because you know, you, you have those kind of brands and the, and they you know, you say they they don't kind of interact with each other. How how much do they like drive the the sport then? Is it about you know like for example like the communities that are built um, and you know or, or do they kind of leave it 
I, I, I don't know how much like brand control they have over um, what people who purport to represent them on a community level do, which I think will will kind of lead into to to, to the things that you. you well, I mean, you get right. So if you if the word Spartan gets used for everything, right? If I use the word Spartan uh, in a video title or a podcast title, it'll probably get more downloads just from the fact that people are looking for things called Spartan. What right? is Spartan? What is it? Is it a race company? Is it a type yes. of race? What is it? So Spartan Race is one of the first big... So these... Okay, so the first three big companies were Warrior Dash, mm-hmm. which is sort of the big, fun mud party, Right. Three miles, like 10 obstacles. It's more about the beer afterwards than the race, right? Right. Sign me so up that, for that yeah. one. Get rid of the obstacles. You've so that's, got a great that's that, that wacky hat right there, right? That's the, that's the Warrior Dash, right? Okay, we like that. That's great. Okay. And then the next one that's big one that started was Tough Mudder. And Tough Mudder was like, you might not finish this thing. It's 10 miles long. We're going to electrocute you. 10 uh, miles who can run 10 miles that's crazy but there's <laughs> that's what i thought too the first time i did it but there's no there's no it's not competitive you help your friends over the big walls and it's a really good time but when you're done you're gonna be like wow that was hard so that's i'm giving you the broadest strokes possible yeah, yeah. and spartan was like there's a timing right you're gonna be timed and if you fail an obstacle like tough mutter, you fall, you fail an obstacle, you fall in the water, no big deal, ha ha ha. Now I'm cold and wet. Let me keep going. In Spartan, if you fail the obstacle, you have to do burpees. Oh, I've heard about this. This burpees, uh, people not doing burpees right, being exactly. a big issue. Exactly, it's the stupidest <laughs> thing in the world. Yet it is a driving factor in a, in the sport that pays the most money, has the most races. Somebody just won twenty thousand dollars for winning the championship in Tahoe. Second place was fifteen. Men oh, and women. This is a lot of money. Oh, and, hang on a minute. And, I need to start retraining. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so um, that's, we we always talk. David and I always talk about um, like the money in sport and how like OCR comes along, brand, oh, you know, brand new kind of sport and everything, and all of a sudden, boom, you've got these like huge, huge payouts. Whereas you know. You win an ultra, you get a wheel of cheese if you're at best. Perhaps a buckle. Yeah, but yeah. The, the irony with that, though, is that while it does make a lot compared to road running, none of our athletes are making a living. Like, there's four people who make a living on OCR, like, who don't have a job. Like, I know them, right? And everyone else still has to work their day job. Um, again, they're traveling all over the country to, to get to these races, right? Um, so it's a fascinating little world. Um, I'm glad to be a part of it. I still love it. I don't race competitively for the most part. I do it for fun. Like I, I do, I do what's called a media lap, uh, which is you know I do social. Um, you know I'll do GoPro. I'll run it with friends for fun. Will some things we'll try multiple times to video it. Sometimes I'll skip something. Um, and then you know I've got a few like a races a year that I want to do really well. And so. Uh, if you've done 150 something obstacle races like I have, uh, you might want to try something else. So like I'm trying to PR a half marathon right now. I got a race on Thanksgiving. I'm that's like the most excited I've been in a long time. Um, cause I'm trying to mix it up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
And so, do with the with the, like the different types of um, uh, brands? Then do they attract different people within the communities? And do, and does that play a part yes. in terms of um, the things you know the kind of things that have happened? Yeah. So so there's always brand loyalty in anything, right? And specifically, people who who are Kool Aid drinkers, right? Um, Cult members, you mean? Yes. Yeah. Um, we're aware of those. <laughs> yeah, and so you know, no, who likes a, no one likes anyone who's what's the word? Um, not fat, fanatical. Uh, fundament, fundamental. I don't know. Fundamental. Yeah. Fundamentalist. Yeah. Maybe whatever that word is, and you know, so Spartan has a lot of that because they're the biggest one. Yeah. Um. Spartan, like there's all these great groups online that get started, right? Much like yours and many others that I'm sure you're a part of. Spartan came along and started these regional groups and they're the biggest ones. And uh, it's just a lot of silliness, right? Because it's all it's always like the brand just promoting themselves. Like, what's your favorite this? And, you know, uh, people who just live and die by Spartan and it it changed their life and... Blah, blah, blah. Do you think, right, that just going off, off piece, that these people, I find this in the ultra running community, there are people in that, a lot of them, who've had mental illnesses or struggles, and they find this thing, and they grab onto it, and they, like, cling onto it, and it becomes their entire life, but ultimately, they weren't very well to start off with, and it kind of just exacerbates it, because they've got a platform, usually a Facebook group, um, or a Facebook community, where they can just live and breathe this whole thing. Do you find a similar thing in, in obstacle course racing, where you get these people that are, like, completely brainwashed? I mean, listen, you find a lot of people, a lot of folks who've had a hard time. And I think this might this might lead into our, you know, the, the big controversy. You know, you're late 30s, early 40s, your life's falling apart. You're in a loveless marriage, you know, men or women. And all of a sudden, here's these like-minded people and they lift you up and you're physically active and like, this is amazing. This is the best thing that's ever happened to me. Um, but I think what I found is that people do that for two to four years, then they move on to something else. Mm. They, well, I'm gonna try CrossFit, I'm gonna try Ultra, I'm gonna not do anything, right? Um, you know, if you look, if I look at older pictures, obstacle racing pictures from 2012, 2013, 2014, I'm the only one who's still in the sport, usually. Mm-hmm. And then in terms, so in terms of like when the communities were like being set up and they were, they were growing, was because you you were speaking to people really, really on, really early on about um, these kind of things coming to um, coming about and and issues within it. Were there were there kind of any patterns? Did you think like you know when a group got to a certain size, then you know there, there were some elements of bullying or if, you know there were certain you could always tell with certain types of things. Were there, with, did the, the kind of the, were the seeds planted and you could kind of see this kind of thing happening or was? Or was it something that kind of emerged suddenly? Well, I think, you know, now you're talking about the psychology of Facebook groups as a whole. And I've been a part of several, some that I've started myself, many that I've just been a part of. And, 
you know, you're always going to find people that say, well, this group was certainly much better when there were 20 people in it, right? It's like, oh my God, we get that all the time. We get bad boy running has changed. And we're like, no, we haven't. (laughs) But it's just just because now we have to admin a bit better because we've got nearly 3,000 members of a group. So you've got to admin a bit better, right? Right. Well, and that's the thing is I'm, so I'm a firm, I have a very simple policy for my, um, the group that I'm one of the, so the same time that I started my business, I started this local group called Georgia Obstacle Racers. Um, and um, sorry, I'm hearing yelling in the background. I think it's my children. Um, and for me, it's like, if it's not uh, porn or hate speech, it's fine, right? Um, and you never delete anybody's stuff. If somebody, if something's going on, you have a question about the first thing you do is reach out to them and ask them. Mm-hmm. And then if they won't take it down, you delete it. And then if they continue that behavior, then maybe you say, okay, we're going to now sit you out of the group. And I have seen groups where you say one wrong thing and they kick you out. And it's like, what, what just happened? Mm-hmm. So, um, so I think that, um, you know, it's, you know, groups, you know, they just, they're, they're like a living thing, right? A community is like, it, it takes on a certain tone. And like there's certain groups that die and uh, they become uh, what I call just blog graveyards. Nobody's using them except that the same two or three people are just posting their blogs there thinking mm-hmm. that they're going to get, thinking that they're going to get read. Yeah. And then it's like, all right, well, let's save the group. Let's, and a few people try and it doesn't really go because if it's not active, it's not active. So you know, that, that George Obstacle Racing group is 5,000 members. Um, there's not, you know, it's not an overwhelming amount of activity, but it's a good, it's a healthy amount. These Spartan groups have 15 to 20,000 and it's people just, you know, a lot of new people constantly getting added with the same questions all the time. And it's, it's not really, or it's Spartan saying, you know, a rude Tuesday, post your favorite obstacle. It's like, is that really a healthy group? It's really just a big advertisement for Spartan, right? Yeah, do you know what? I joined one of them because uh, I do actually do my research, Jody. So I joined one of them when I was yeah, there. Jody. Jody. Yeah, Jody. Um, I have done. I have done. I've done loads of research here. It's just I don't talk about it. Oh I'm right, a okay. Interviewer. All right, uh, but I joined one of the groups, and there are so many updates. Like literally, my entire Facebook feed is like. Spot, 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 and I had to unjoin it because I was like, "It's too much. I just can't deal with this at all." Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, I don't. I honestly don't think it's about. Um, you know. So, the, interestingly enough, do you know what Discord is? Yeah. So we have a Discord that was started by a friend of mine, and it's it's become sort of an offshoot of our podcast. Um, oh, I don't. I don't know what this is. What's Discord? Can you explain it? Can I explain it? I know what the word Discord means. Are you talking about a different type of Discord? <laughs> Discord is an app. Oh, oh, I don't know about this. This is new. Discord is an app. It's essentially uh, a group, usually in the gaming world, because they have like there's some like audio components to it. Yeah. Um, and we started it, and it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of people who listen to the podcast, so the conversations there tend to be conversations we had on our show and um, it's one 200 members and it's up to 500 now and I've said since the beginning listen it's awesome now it feels like the early days of those OCR Facebook groups but we know it's coming you can't keep it out right eventually someone is going to attack somebody people are going to start getting 
whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it's funny because we actually, the, the, the show I do with my friend is, is called obstacle discourse. Um, uh, That's and so, so clever. Obstacle know, right? discourse. We need to be more clever. <laughs> Me. Those we should call it bad boy see. rambling instead of bad boy running. Bad boy rambling. That would be, that's really good. Obstacle yeah. discourse oh. with Davis and Chase. <laughs> and so we, um, I like some good healthy discourse. Like, come on, this guy is not better than this guy or this rule is stupid. Like a lot of good, but then occasionally, you know, this is, this is sort of my example of where this hasn't happened yet, but it is coming where, okay, uh, uh, Jody, let's say, by the way, in, in my country, it's a bit of a girl's name, Jody. Yes, it, it's Go, a bit girl, of a girl's name in this country as well. And which, girl, Mrs. Girl. Jody Rainsford does know a lot about that from the post that she gets. <laughs> so he has, by the way, no reaction whatsoever to what I'm saying. Um, anyway, so I see Jody comment and then th- you, this is when you know it's gone too far. When somebody's like, "Oh, well, Jody, I saw gardening in your profile, so clearly you're a homosexual, right?" Like somebody just completely that like, happens all the time as well. Right? And he's a vegan, <laughs> right? They they right make it completely personal. It's yeah. just the the worst things about Facebook. And um, I never say Facebook is evil or social media is evil because it's people behind these things. And just like everything else, there's really good and there's really bad and everything. Um, but anyway, I should um, uh, I should join your groups and spend time with them, and we could I could probably we could probably learn from each other. Maybe I don't know. Oh, I don't know if you're gonna learn anything from our group. I, I mean, mean, it's you're to be really confused. For yeah, start. exactly. I know that's the that's the thing. We don't post anything in it. We just let them post anything. It, it kind of works. It's quite quite good like that. The, the 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 difference though between like a normal Facebook group though and um with this is that there is that it's unusual in the sense that and it's the same with like with running groups is that there is an offline element to it as well. So people are obviously meeting up. And right. then, you know, and then they're having conversations back online, and so there's that that interaction, which I imagine is is kind of you know you, you have that opportunity to talk anonymously to people, but then you also have the problem is that you might need to see them face to face, and that also causes other other issues as well. So it's it, it is slightly different from like normal normal Facebook groups. I mean, it's a bit weird, like even even with you know bad boy running communities, like when you actually see other people for real it's you kind of just you, you kind of all wonder why you're there you're like oh like it, you know you said you know late 30s early 40s i think that's a pretty accurate description of a lot of a lot of the people who come out on like the utdb events and 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 things like that um but it does have it does have that interaction between going off almost you know going offline and interacting with people and then coming back online and then it all kind of feeling a little bit cliquey and a little bit, you know, you, you, you definitely find groups within that, that that I don't think help the community at all. Oh, I mean, listen, I think sometimes it's helped for the better because you see somebody at the race and you go, I'm going to see this guy all the time. I, I should probably not just hate them online, maybe talk to them. And I know I've done that a few times. Um, and then there's some people that I... I can apologize for saying something, but still not be like best friends with you, right? Um, you know, in terms of being like, you know, like clicky, like in that in that in that obstacle group I told you about, you know, we would have some 
usually everybody sees somebody at the race. In, in America, they do this thing. I think Spartan started it where if you have the biggest team, the most members, like it started out like because they assumed it was like a gym, right? You get your own little tent area, maybe they give you a free beer ticket. So that becomes a thing. And then the smaller races just let you bring a tent. They kind of don't care, like if you're the biggest or whatever. Just everybody brings a tent. It makes it like – because they want you to spend time in the festival area, right? So um, – oh, what was I saying? Um, oh, so we've seen, pe- we, we've seen people post in the group and say, well, you know, I came to a race or I came to one of the gatherings and nobody talked to me. And – I'm like, well, I, I can't teach you how to make friends. That's not my my job here online. And mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like you're an adult. You have to go up to people you don't know and introduce yourself uh, because everybody there has been there a while. So they are, in fact, a click air quotes because they know each other. So mm-hmm. but we had some people who were like, well, let's let's get a welcoming committee and give them shirts. And so they did all that. And that, you know, I think people liked it. I didn't care. I'm like, if you guys want to do that, great. I, like I don't care, um, but uh, but yeah. And so, do you, when when you have these groups and you've got these different people who are essentially um, admins or leading the groups and everything, how much? Because I just want to try and work out really what were the conditions for what happened happening in the sense that people turning a blind eye. You know, was it a case of? Yeah, when because the first thing I think you were talking about was that there were elements of of, of kind of um, uh, bullying and and things like that going on, which later then further allegations around all the all the Me Too uh, right. stuff. So what what were were the conditions there for that to happen? By the fact that you know because these groups were so big, okay, and so, because brands were taking a you know a sort of a blind eye to it. Right. So it's a couple factors. One is anytime someone is given a modicum of quote unquote power, it can go wrong if that, like we've all worked for bad managers, right? Like this person was given a managerial job because they've been there the longest, not because they have any skills, right? Mm -hmm. Not because they know the ins and outs of people, right? So someone gets a job, a thing, and it becomes like super cool, right? They have some form of, right? It's the same reason that uh, that you know, brands can get people to you know flood their Instagram feed with garbage because they feel like, hey, I'm an ambassador for this. You know, I feel special, even though we, you and I know they're not special because there is no value to it, right? Mm-hmm. So in this particular case, this guy, and it was really this guy because there's other, there were other admins, but this one guy, uh, I'm gonna say his name as little as possible, honestly, because it's like that's where I'm at with it. Like I just don't even want to fucking say his name. This one guy was known to sort of delete anything, forget, forget any kind of sexual, just anything about the group. And was he like the we- only admin? Was there not a group well, of admins? No, but they all sort of bowed to him for whatever oh, reason. Right. Don't ask me why. But, um, and when it was brought up, it was, oh, well, that's because our group is positive and we don't allow negativity. And one time I asked, I, I, I asked this question, right? I literally asked this question, which I thought was really well thought out. I was like, hey, let's talk about this. Because I'm, I'm a member of this group, this group, and this group, which have been around for five years, have thousands of members, Many times we go back and forth on opinions or ideas, and even the admins themselves like, like look at their behavior. 
how come this group is, why, why is this group not able to do that? That comment was deleted. What a right? surprise. Right. <laughs> so, so that's just, that's just a control freak fucking maniac, right? Now you've got this going on and then you start to hear and or see this guy is sending dick pics to people, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I saw them. They're real, right? And then it went to a little bit of, um, well, it's actually it's actually worse. He's he's kind of a predator to this guy. And um, first of all, he's he's married and with kids, and it's just it's not really a good look. It's not very and... positive, is it? It's not a very positive message <laughs> for this positive group. <laughs> Seems quite negative to me. So. Um, then it, it, it became so like obvious, like that you could you couldn't delete it fast enough. Um, that it, oh, and the group as a whole had this sort of like over sexual vibe, which on its own is like adults being adults, right? It was a lot of like topless Tuesday pictures, right? What? And, I've got to say, if there's any topless Tuesday pictures in BBR, I would delete them. Mainly because I've Ma- met half of the male group. Male and female. Unless it was Matt Simpson, they would be deleted. <laughs> male and female. <laughs> but this was a thing, right? Again, like a lot of, you know, unhappily married or divorced people. And it's like, if that's what you want your group to be about, go for it. Plenty of that online, right? But then some people were like, not really my vibe. I'm going to leave, right? And uh, meanwhile, this guy, you know, at every chance he gets, talks about, how many members they have, how they always win biggest team, how they're so, you know, how they're so supportive and so amazing. And everybody knows this guy's a fucking creep. So it gets to be so much that the story starts to be like, well, his wife did find out, but now he's clean and everything's good and he made a mistake and it's no big deal, right? And then, you know, it didn't take very long for that to, you know, quickly be like, he's still at it. He's still at it. So... Uh, this woman, people start to message me about it. I couldn't tell you exactly when, but the woman in the story uh, who gave me her name, uh, Kirsten, somebody said I should reach out to her or she reached out directly to me. And she said, you know, I have a story to tell you. And we didn't talk on the phone. She would, she would text me what happened. And she texted me that story that you read in that article, that horrifying story and I couldn't believe what I was reading. I just, I literally was like, I mean, I believed it, but I was like, it like, it hurt me. Like my gut was like wrenching to hear a woman like type this out to me. Um, and at the time, uh, I knew that if I only printed that story, that's like a he said, she said thing. There's not much I can do. Mm-hmm. So I tried to get other women to cooperate because I knew there were women who talked about creepy behavior. I knew there were the two women who he stole the group from because that was a whole nother thing that, again, a lot of people knew and it was hushed about. You know, he didn't even start the group. He bullied these fucking women. He took the group and then threatened them and all this really horrible stuff. And no one would go on the record. And so I'm like, I can't, I can't do much. And another like, you know, year or so went by and uh, they, were, they were given this award they were given this like award for being the best team for something. And honestly, it just kind of like was like 
enough is enough. I just don't understand. Where is everybody else in this? Like, where is everybody else? There's no one else, is there? It's just this one guy. And he just, no one's calling him out. No one's actually going, oh, hang on a minute. They are. They're being deleted. They're being deleted and kicked out of the group. But they're not being deleted in real life. Why are they in real, like, why are they not together in real life? Like, we all have to get together and do something about this. Are they just terrified of him? Well, I mean, how, how, how do, how do people, how do predators keep a job for 20 years? I mean, how did Harvey Weinstein do what he did for 20 years? Exactly. So, um, so I started rounding up people and talking. How, how did you how did you do that because that's not an easy thing to do is it just through hearing about stuff and, and well part you started of, a facebook group <laughs> well p- p- part of it is you know me saying that i've been doing it for a long time people know they can trust me yeah um and um so that's what i did i just said listen i think we can really do something if we can all get together and make this happen and I certainly talked to far more people than the story allowed because there were people that, I mean, there were people that didn't want to go on the record. There were people whose, you know, quotes or facts were fuzzy and I just, I went with what I had, but I knew there's no way I'm going to do this because, you know, I just don't like this guy. Like, like it's, it's, you know, you, you can't, you can't do that. Right. I would be risking a lot to my own family. Yeah. And so, uh, I wrote it. And then uh, Spartan was saying that they were going to do something because everyone's like, oh, they knew too and they didn't do anything. And it's like, well, I don't know what they means. Like, what do you mean? Like people are like, oh, Spartan like likes the group too much. They like all the money they're getting and all this conspiracy theory shit that I didn't go for. I was Have like, you actually spoken to anyone at Spartan like directly about it and, and had you know them say, yeah, we definitely we knew because this happened and that happened? Or is it no, no, like I, people saying I, someone sh- Someone showed me an old email from someone in their legal department from like three years ago, but that person's gone. So, I mean, I'm not gonna spend time chasing that because what's the point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the point is, if Spartan hadn't done the right thing, I might have, but I've said this many times. If Spartan just said, we're looking into it, this guy would still be doing it today. But when Spartan says you are banned from our race, he's he's done because you can't keep being in a group where uh, you're the guy, you know, his whole mode of operandus was to message people as soon as they got in the group and be like, hey, you want to go for a run? You want to do this? You want to do that? It's like, who are you? Oh, I'm the guy banned from all the races for being a sexual predator. You know what I mean? So once they banned him, that was sort of the death knell for him. And um, it was great because it's what needed to happen. And how so? How quickly did they do that after? So what? Then your, your article came out, and you, did did you warn them about the article? Or, or? I, well, I actually did because I have a long-standing relationship with them and and their PR team, and I just said, listen, you need to know this thing is coming. So I'm 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 printing it on Friday. So and did they try to stop it at all? No. Um, again, because it because it's like I just I think I my I have a really good reputation. Like I've. I get my facts. You know what I mean? Um, do you know what? It's not like he's an employee of theirs. It's not like he's a, there's a direct. It's going to come out, isn't it? And it's better for them to just go, okay, well, we'll, we'll. But the thing is, they're being reactive. They're not being proactive, and they're yeah. not going, oh shit, this has happened. If this is happening, like in a group as big, you know, as big as a Spartan is, it, it's hap- it, it must be happening more. 
It doesn't seem have they put anything in place to stop to stop this sort of thing. Well, again, again, it's not. Listen, this is like you said. He's not an employee. It's a Facebook group, right? I'm sure that they've had some HR talks in the last month. I'm sure it's probably done you know a lot of good for that, and that's great. Um, but you know, the only thing that's left is like when they give away this award for the most people that signed up. You know, they can continue to give it to this group. Can they take it away from them? Can they say we're not going to acknowledge your group? Because mm-hmm. people have said the group isn't rotten. There's thousands of good people in it. And I'm mm-hmm. sure there is. But it was just really ugly because the people at the top didn't do anything either, right? Yeah. Yeah, the thing is, I, I know he's like not an employee. But if I, if I thought that someone was doing something similar to, to our brand... Um, you know, you'd think, well, it, it does, it, it's incredibly damaging. But you wouldn't like to think that there were people who. If I started, but if I started a bad boy running Facebook group in Facebook and then I started doing all kinds of shit, you'd be like, I can't control that guy. Oh, but, but, but you'd, be, you'd, you'd work, you'd work pretty hard to, to discredit them, wouldn't you, on the outside? Like, I've seen this happen in the UK with small trail running companies, right? Where. You've got a guy, and when this happened, I was like, because it was a, my favourite, it's White Star. I'm sure Andy won't mind mentioning it was White Star. He dealt with it very, very well. But I'm like, this guy that comes to all these races, I had absolutely no idea that he was going home and sending dick pics to basically most of the women in the group, but women he'd hand-selected who wouldn't have a gob on them, which is why I never got one, I'm sure, because I would have literally put it in, back into the group in public and been like, look what I've just been sent from this person. But when it happened, this guy was removed his name was not mentioned obviously because you've got to have those kind of legal bits in place um and andy the race director for white star said if anybody ever has anything like this happen to them you come direct to me and that group's got it's small in comparison to spartan it's got maybe five six thousand members but it's growing all the time but he really did stand up like put his face out there and went if it happens tell me or tell Gemma, or tell joe or tell somebody in the office that it's happening to you and and we'll just put a caution on it immediately I don't think have Spartan said anything since saying I know that he's not an employee but he, but he is by association a representative of their brand whether they pay him or not or they want him to be or not but have they actually said we're putting the these this duty of care list in place to try and help other people out or have they just kind of gone oh well we, he's not he's not related to us anymore we'll just put him over there and that'll be the end of it yeah I mean that's that's pretty much it but again I don't expect them to like I mean listen Spartan's a worldwide brand and you can, anybody can start a, I could start a group tomorrow called Spartan 4.0 or Spartan whatever, or Joe DeSena's favorite group or any, you can call yourself anything you want. Um, so I don't, I don't necessarily think they had to, they, they, other than not acknowledge them as a group, they could say, you need to rename yourself and start over somewhere else. And then we can acknowledge if you win an award. I mean, that's the only thing I could maybe think they would do. I think that, but I think there's more to it than this. Like in the, it's, it's well it's everywhere basically the whole me too thing is everywhere as a person that's worked in music for a long time i know next year is the year of the music industry for that to all come out i've done multiple interviews on it but it's they're Who's not first? oh i don't know but there's some <laughs> big names in there um but um what was I your role? What did you do in the music industry i was a marketing manager so i basically sat in the middle of all of the campaigns but emi no i didn't do emi did uh i was at atlantic and columbia yeah um but what I'm saying is, no one's actually going... NME? Huh? Do you work at the NME? No, I didn't work for the NME. <laughs> um, 
but that's another story, the anime. Um, so, but what I'm saying is... I can't believe you don't appreciate any of my uh, humor uh, references. You appreciate none of them. No, I don't appreciate anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a goth. Uh, but but what I would appreciate is if these massive companies, regardless of what it is that they do, Spartan, Tough Mudder, whoever but, it is. Hey, listen, they're going to put out a nice letter. This is the most important to thing to us. Nice we really to give actually, a shit, blah, blah, blah. I want to actually fucking do something, and I don't understand why they're not they're not doing something. It, do, it does feel as though it's like, you've done the work for us. Thank you for, thank you for doing it. We can put out a thing saying it's done, and that's it. For the for the what what have the other brands done? Have they done anything? Is there well, is, is there any bit of acknowledgement from them that maybe their same thing might be happening with theirs or? Well, once again, the community did not let that stand, and they 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 were tagging all the race directors of all the other companies. They were like, get rid of this guy, get rid of this guy, get rid of this guy, and they all did. They were like, sure, no problem, right? I mean, there was one guy who messaged me like, all the brands. Big, big, big brands, small brands, they'd all ban this guy. And this one guy who has a pretty small race, I think he does one race a year, messages me. And he's like, hey, uh, what can you tell me about that guy? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, before I ban him, I just want to make sure, you know, you're really... I said, no, I don't believe it at all. It's all made up. Like, what are you talking about? Like, like I wrote a fucking article this big on what this guy did. Like, you, if you need... You know what I mean? So, um, but listen... Again, it's it's the but it's it's knowing the the constant news cycle and knowing how people are online. If like I said, I said, you know, on a podcast shortly afterwards. Listen, this is going to be forgotten about pretty quickly. People are going to go back to bitching about burpees and I didn't get my medal and all that stuff. That's the nature of it. So if they they banned it, which basically like destroyed this guy's life because his whole life is I'm the king of this group. And I'm going to be a fucking predator. And by the way, just for people who are listening who don't have all the background, um, read the story. You guys can link it in the show notes if you do that. Do you guys mm-hmm. do that? Yeah, we. Yeah, well, no, we don't know in the show notes, but we do link it in the in the Facebook group when it. Uh, when what, it comes whatever. Um, it was shared quite heavily in yeah, our yeah, group. There was a lot of debate about it because I was just basically I put my foot down with it and was like, anyone in this group does that, I will literally well, what was, fucking what, murder what, them. Well, what was the conversation over there? It was well. It, it's it is what it is. It's like this this guy has been caught out for doing stuff that is really fucking out of order. And it was the white really star pos- guy. The white star. No, guy no, 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 no. Your story. We put we we put your story in our group, um, and someone put your story in our group. And but you know all of it, like it would always be. You're never going to get a predator in a group come forward and go good on him, are you? Everyone's like, oh god, if this ever happens, I can't believe that men would behave like this. I can't believe you know. And it's like that's really great and everything, but we do you know we are very very. Um, clear on the rules in our group and we won't delete posts we warn people and if they keep offending they do get deleted if they've posted the same fucking video of a cyclist being knocked off his bike by an antelope we'll just delete it because it's boring it means nothing to anyone but we made it really clear and i made it really clear that you can talk to me talk to jody talk to david whoever you want to talk to um and we can sort it out the minute it happens and so far i think we've been lucky enough that people joining the group know it's no nonsense and they also know that they will be fucking called out and they will be caught um i just think spartan could have done a better job 
of saying we're putting we've seen that this is an issue and we're putting in place a duty of care not least because as a marketing person it would have been a fucking great thing for them to do to attract more women to the sport because you know if people are considering doing something like that it may well put them off especially as like you say you get your midlife crisis lot who come in who a lot of them are suffering from trauma of some kind the last thing they need is some fucking bloke sending him pictures of his dick but it's 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 so much worse, and this is this is what I want to what I was about to say that I want to make sure people know. And I said this uh, on the podcast shortly afterwards. I am well aware that many many men have said or done creepy things to try to get laid. I am a man. I have many friends. Right. This is this is like I get that. This is not that. This is predatory behavior. Right. Mm-hmm. Meaning. I'm going to use this position of power. I'm going to reach out to you. He literally, a woman would join the group, ding, you know, new member. This girl looks cute, right? Mm -hmm. Starts messaging, starts asking if they want to meet up, right? And uh, then um, depending on how it goes, right, continues to pressure, right? And then uh, if you ever tell anyone, I'll delete you from the group or I'll share the messages you shared with me. Like that's why a lot of women do want to come forward. They said, he's got stuff on me. Mm-hmm. So I just want to make sure everybody knows that, that what happened was, you know, we put stop to somebody who was a fucking predator, not some guy who's being flirty and trying to get laid and, and yeah. or creepy. But yeah. is, so, it, so this is a question. Is there more that's going to come out? About oh. him or about other people? About about other people. Is well, it, we, it, listen, I started getting I started getting messages left and right when this thing came out, as I knew I would, right? And for a long time, I was talking to these people, and then it became too tough for me emotionally. Like I was like, this is this is kind of nuts. I was like, sort of like starting to lose sleep, and my wife, you know, was like, this is kind of weird. Like these women are messaging you about all this shit. Like this is just too much. And so I, I put a stop to it and I said, listen, you guys, like, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a police. Like you guys need to start a group or, or figure out a way to do it. And I can tell you that in those messages, some of them were legitimately whatever. And some of them were like, kind of, maybe this is, you know what I mean? Like, like, remember when all the me too stuff came out? Remember the thing that, remember the thing that happened with the comic, like Aziz Ansari, remember that one? Yeah. It's like it was, I call them grief vultures. These people well, are grief. There are grief vultures who want to join in, but actually have no fucking reason. They want to just pick over the bits that look good on Instagram, and and I get that. And that's that's you can laugh about it, but it's the same in any fucking media situation. You're always going to get that, you know, like, um, and and that's difficult. And I work with um, domestic violence um, victims, so I understand how emotionally that it can be horrible to have that. But there isn't anything in place anywhere where you can help these men and women through this trauma and that's the other thing in your in your um in the article it does mention that you've had men and women come forward but it only you only reported on the stories of the women which i found interesting so did no men want to go on record no or were the men talking about the the the, the experiences of the women no this particular guy hadn't hadn't um hadn't sexually whatever any other men it was just it was just a lot of men who were close to women who these things happened to mm-hmm. interesting and so and so what what happened so i just what what's going to happen now then like so surely you've got you you kind of 
with any with anything as soon as you kind of open the floodgates and now people feel able to talk for it if they're not able to find an outlet either through through you now and you're absolutely right this isn't your responsibility you you've, you've, but you know and if the brands aren't doing anything to uphold this duty of care necessarily then what what do you see happening next? Well, I can tell you that Tough Mudder, the other big brand, they just banned somebody and the circumstances were a little different, but I don't think they would have done it if our story hadn't just happened. Like people were starting to tell me, hey, your story accelerated this other thing that was going on that was more, it was more just kind of craziness than necessarily sexual. It was like people fight. Anyway, they got rid of this guy. So... I think we have woken people up to some extent, but, you know, uh, again, like, you know, the, the, the world keeps turning and people have other things to be upset about or the next thing in, in the news that distracts them. You know, I, I hope that, you know, if anything, what I am proud of is that we gave women a voice. That's that's sort of the biggest thing that we've that I've heard from people is that we gave them a voice and that it's for them to know that a man like actually understands um, and is willing to, and is willing to listen. And then these companies are going to do, you know, what they do. And, and it is the internet and the internet is very fucking hard to police, especially Facebook. <laughs> it's the hardest thing in the world. I think we do all right, but with, with BBR, we have a number of admins and we're always talking to each other. So, um, and you know, we have got some uh, two power crazed ones, Hellard and Jody, but, uh, they don't go and around to and, and we're generally hated. And so we don't have a massive group. That's help. That, but, that that helps. But also, most of the time, you go, "Should I delete this?" And we go, "No." <laughs> so, in terms of like everything that happened, then just kind of like um, like drawing this to a, a conclusion, then is, was there anything that happened that that you found really surprising, either from the perspective of how brands reacted from uh, you know, the, the way that it played out or anything that kind of changed how you felt about OCR? Well, I think I was not, I was not prepared. I was very naively not prepared. I knew that, I mean, I, you know, not to be too dramatic, but like I literally like hovered my finger over the mouse, right? Like before I hit publish, I knew like, this is this is going to be huge, right? I can't take this back. Uh, even still, I was not emotionally prepared for the um, what was going to happen just for myself, and also, again, naively, the the hardcore defenders, the the truthers, if you will, um, and so then. I had to stop reading comments because they just become toxic, right? Because someone says things like, why did she go to a hotel room with him at all to, well, the courts haven't proven it. So why is he guilty? And it's like, you know, a lot of that. And then a lot of back and forth on that. And then I realized that if we went, if we went to court, right, if he's accused of rape and loses, those same people can say, the trial was fixed. It's not fair. You know what I mean? The women lied, like whatever, like you're not going to change anybody's opinion. It's like, you know, it's the reason, you know, I don't, I don't pick fights with people about Trump. I'm not going to change their fucking minds. Right. It's like, what's the point? Mm -hmm. So, um, and I, I should have known that was coming and I didn't. And, um, there are people who, who, who don't like me, who continue not to like me. And then there are people who, you know, 
uh, are really glad and are like, you know, thrilled. So, did you ever get a statement from him? Like after you published oh, yeah. it, did you hear from him or like his lawyers or like what happened? So he's he's not a very bright guy, because the first thing he did was write this whole post, sort of describing how he was innocent, and you know basically admitting that he went to this hotel with this woman but that it didn't happen the way she said it did and you know i thought you know the first thing you've done is what any lawyer would tell you to do is you just put yourself at the scene of the crime like the first thing you would try to do is they can't prove i was even there right that would be the first defense you would ever come up with right Uh um so then he had a lawyer i'm assuming a friend of the family send me a letter um asking me if i would take it down and I responded that uh, I stand by my story and that I have a dozen other women that I've talked to and that I may write another article. Um, just really, to, not that I was going to write one, but just to show that, like, like it's going to be worse for you if you keep hounding. Then I got another letter from what I would call an ambulance chaser. Do you have this term in the UK? Yeah. yeah. So these guys, if you go to their website and their Instagram page... It's like, has somebody said something bad about you on the internet? We will erase it and and scrub the web. Which Better you call want. Saul. Exactly. No, no, no. I have much more respect for Saul than these guys. Um, and, and you and I know that you can't possibly scrub the web. And so I was able to get uh, some pretty amazing lawyers who specialize in journalism and First Amendment. And they sent a lawyer that's like a letter like this long that was like okay and he hasn't even responded and i doubt he will um i'm also being uh i'm also being legitimately served by another race you can get me on another time to talk about this i wrote an article about a company who canceled races and uh they're 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 actually suing me like they they served me legally and i'm working on that one too so uh we can talk about that one later though oh wow (laughs) (laughs) so i say that so there has there been a bit of a backlash (laughs) Well, I think, um, I think, again, I like naively don't sometimes think about like the power air quotes that I have, right? This is my bedroom, my bedroom. This is my office, right? You're looking at it, right? And like, you know, my kids in the other room. Um, however, like I've, I've spent seven years building this thing and we put something out online. It's got a lot of power. So I think, I definitely learned that I used to sort of wear it as a badge of honor because lots of people would say, lots of people would send me, you know, standard cease and desist. I keep making air quotes. I'm sorry. And most, and those do not scare me, right? Take this down or else, right? I've gotten tons of those. And I kind of got to this point of like, we'll fucking bring it on, right? Like, fuck you, bring it on. (laughs) And uh, I'm now realizing that, you know, eventually somebody can. And these guys, they're called cool events did they serve me and uh it's not cheap right you have to respond mm-hmm. and people you know what i'm saying if i sued you tomorrow right if you don't respond you lose so you've got to spend time and effort and you know i got a wife that worries about this stuff even if i know i'm gonna win you know what i mean so uh i don't wear it as a badge of honor so much anymore and i definitely will be consulting this law firm from now on when i'm gonna write a story that's you know calling somebody out just but to make sure I'm covered. But the thing is, by, the way, by the way, not a journalism major, right? 
uh, not a media, no media studies. Like, uh, you know, I got a D in high school English. I'm just a guy who, you know, started this business and has been winging it. You know what I mean? But the thing, but the thing is, like, it, you wouldn't. And I think we talk about this a bit, don't we, in terms of like the what the um, like UK like running media are like and everything. In that they'll never say anything bad about anyone because you know advertising is so important. Right, so actually, right. you know, the, the fact that you said you've been building it for seven years, but you've been building it for seven years, but you're still putting you're putting that on the line, and that's quite a that's quite a you know a, a difficult thing to do, especially if you don't have like the the you know kind of like deep pockets that other. You know, you know, big big media companies would have in order to defend themselves, and so I, you know, it could be completely erase everything that you're doing with one one thing. So you know, the fact that you're still kind of pushing that is you know clearly is is something that's very um, gives gives you an edge, as it were. Well, it's also like I don't know any different. You know what I mean? Like people say that like, well, hey, like that's really great that you've built this business and like done this thing that you love. And it's like, I just, I don't know how to do anything else, right? It's like too stupid to quit kind of thing. So um, I, like, you know, and I don't have deep pockets. I have a wife and three children and those children eat a lot of fucking cereal. And uh, <laughs> um, like, do you guys, do you guys have any like, like are you doing a Patreon thing or just merch? We just do merch and we do it really badly. That's how that's how we work. Everybody veer, loves bad merch. We they did every, it veers from crisis to crisis. If so, if someone sued us, and I'm absolutely astonished that no one has, um, considering how hard they. Oh no, tried they have. They have tried, but I deleted all those posts from the page because I only like positivity <laughs> in our group. <laughs> Um, if they if they sued us, we'd collapse like harder than a house of cards. It would it, literally you you could send us a cease and desist. It would probably go as well. So yeah, we you know, but but we do actually we do talk about stuff that yeah you wouldn't find in running media and things like that. It doesn't tend to be like super controversial, but it does seem to be things that you know just don't really get covered elsewhere. But we're, which, we're, the, yeah. we're the same as you. Like people either really really love us or absolutely fucking hate us. Who wants to be fucking, you know, boring ass, milk toast, average? You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I don't even know what milk toast is, but I can just imagine what milk toast is. Um, yeah, exactly. It's like milky toast. Milky toast. <laughs> that yeah. sounds disgusting. I know, horrible. Beige, like magnolia paint. <laughs> okay, amazing. Um, brilliant um it, it's been amazing having you on um and so thank you so much for uh not just for you know sharing it but actually um you know d doing what you've done in order to open it up in a way that probably uh, you know no one else would have would have been able to if people want to um follow you um and you know uh, connect with you what's the, what's the best way of them doing that so obstacle racing media is my company uh not to be confused with obstacle course racing media which is a company that started after me and practically took my name and puts out garbage content. So obstacle racing media. And I am personally Matt B Davis on all the platforms. M A T T B is in boy Davis. The B is for bad boy running club. No, uh, yes, <laughs> he's changed his name. Keep it as that. Keep it as that. Um, <laughs> but I feel like we do have a lot in common and, uh, I should have you all on my show. Can I have you too and not the other guy, not the that's handsome what, guy? That's, what, that's the main thing I'm going to love about this is that this is one of those interviews that David would really, really want to be part of. And I am so pleased that he's not. He's going to absolutely miss it. So, yeah, when you do the invite, 
don't include him. That's when you get cease and desists when you have David Hellard <laughs> on your podcast. Can you guys, can you guys ever talk uh, earlier? Is this the earliest you can do? Yeah, we can. Yeah, yeah we, we can. can talk whenever. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Okay, well, why did you make it so late? We could have done it, like, earlier today. Because I was on a plane, coming oh, back from a perfect. desert. Oh, yeah, fine. yeah, we have to... Hey, yeah. did... What does name do that race? Did, uh... Did... I want to say Ian. They're all named Ian, though, over there. Uh, what's his last name? Dave, <laughs> Tom, Ian, Pete, Steve. Graham. Graham. Graham? Graham. They're all named Ian or Graham, aren't they? Yeah. And Nigel. Nigel. There's no one called Nigel. I think the last Nigel died out about three years I ago. I didn't. I didn't have any Nigels. I had two Toms. I had three. We're Ian's. only making plans for Nigel. <laughs> Nigel. Your listeners didn't know they were going to get my amazing XTC version. Are you an XTC fan, by the way? Sure. I love them. Why did you roll your eyes? Because <laughs> I'm not. Nobody likes them. Really? Yeah. How old are you? My ex, my ex editor on on the trade magazine I worked on used to like them and used to play it on loop for about nine hours when we were going to press, which was just the worst experience ever. So that's my only real experience of XTC. Uh, have you told anyone about that? <laughs> I haven't. I'm feeling, I feel like I'm coming out with this as well. Okay, uh, amazing. Ian, Ian's oh. his name. Uh, Graham, his name is Graham. <laughs> did a guy called Graham run the race and he's bald? Yes, he did. Bald he he rode the bike for two days and then he ran for three days. And what are you supposed to do? Well, ride the bike for two days and run for three days or run for five days. And what did he do? Rode the bike for two days I feel and like ran a power play for going three on here. days. I'm not I'm not sure. What, do you understand what she's saying, Jody? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What just, is she saying? Just. I'm being bullied. You can either you can either ride the bike for two days and run for three days. Or you can run for five. So he minutes. rode the bike an extra day like a big wuss. Is that what no, you're saying? No. The race, race to the race wreck. Race is five days. Okay, race to the wreck works like this. There's two options. Either ride a bike for two days through the desert, then run for three days. Or fuck the bike off and run for five days. Wait a minute. But wouldn't you go further on the bike? No, or because the just... bike course is longer. The bike course is uh, 100 kilometers uh, uh. a day, whereas the running is not 100 kilometers a day. Okay. So if you do the bike and run, you do 300 kilometers in the week. If you just do the run, you do 200 kilometers. But the bike's horrible. Everybody that did the bike was like, my fucking ass is literally bleeding. And I was like, I told you, it's horrible. They're big fat bikes okay, and listen, the dunes listen, are horrible. Listen, just before, before we go, listen, before we go, I have wanted to come over there. As I said, I am, I am an Anglophile, as you can tell by my brilliant uh, impression of... XTC and my extensive knowledge of all things UK. Your accent is amazing. Right? So I've wanted to come over for a long time and do uh, a race, right? So I used to just think probably only an obstacle race. Yeah, but, do that. But, but now, since I'm, I'm looking at longer running goals, I've done a few ultras. I think I'd like to get back to ultras 2020, 2021. Uh, I'd like to talk to you guys about coming over and doing something, especially if it's a race that you put on or that you know a lot, a lot about, because I'm trying to um, get out there. Well, you should come over for the running show. Like we've, got, we've got the Ultra Zone at the running show in January, and then you'd meet loads of great people, including the race director, who I will say to you, go and run his race because it's really good well is there one that weekend it's not just a convention right no it's a big convention but um but yeah we could we'll 
we'll we'll sort you something out. Don't worry, we'll sort you yeah, something out. Yeah, I don't want to come over you. just for a convention. I want to come over to run. Oh, okay. We'll, we'll do a race just for you. We'll set one up. You can come over for um, Great British Beerathon. That would be a, that'd be a great race. That's a mm-hmm. different level of endurance. That, that's almost OCR as well because you've got to jump over people sick <laughs> and jump over people collapsed. Yeah. All right. We'll talk. We'll talk later. Ah, so there you go, listener. Bit of a different episode for you there. Bit of a different style interview, but also a different outro for us. Very different all around. But um, yeah, what do you think? It just seems that wherever there is unchecked power, even if it's a only a kind of minor social power, there's always going to be some dick, isn't there? Um, so. I think that's the challenge we face as a society these days is that with all these semi-communities that are popping up everywhere, that um, there's no real regulation of them or people to keep them in check. So, um, yeah, be interested to know what your thoughts are. The flip side of it, which is obviously it's very hard to to be able to police these things and to create communities that are fully engaging and involving of everyone and and do welcome everyone with open arms without also attracting some people that aren't necessarily your favorite in the world um so where do you find the balance but hopefully we're managing to do that with the podcast managing to that the group and with the running club um but it'll be interesting to see what happens in the future with uh, facebook groups in general but I want to know from what Ali Belly was saying about the music industry, because my God, I bet there's some stories to come out there. If you think about all the industries where there have been all these exposés, the music industry is, is already the most debauched of them, where people almost build their reputations on their, their bad behaviour. And so how far could it go? But also, who's it going to be? Oh, I hope it's not Cliff Richard. Love that guy. Ah, oh, no, it won't be Cliff. It will not be Cliff, but it'd be so interesting to uh, to know. Which brings me up to the next topic, the Christmas party. It's coming up. It's coming up soon. Ali Bailey will be there. Hopefully be, she'll be tipsy and telling us who she means or what she's heard because I doubt we'll be able to broadcast it on this podcast, whatever we do here. So if you haven't got your ticket for that, do come along got the national running show coming up but i've already talked about that in our outro next week so i won't mention that too much if you enjoyed this episode then other ones linked to ocr that are good to listen to uh, we spoke to john Alban five or six times double world champion of ocr and um, we caught up with him we used to be teammates and so he talked about that his sky racing and uh, his trail running some really early episodes with Pete Reese. Fantastic. Pete started off Mudsicle that Matt mentioned quite a few times. And he goes into almost the birth of OCR, but also the transformation that we saw in the UK, where we had three years where it absolutely boomed and then started to fall away. So he talks about that and talks about the community he set up and the different races. But also Jim from Rat Race, really interesting. Rat Race were one of the originals, not the very original obstacle race, but certainly the first urban one. They still have the world's longest continuous obstacle race and he does all of the events that i've certainly done in the past but ali's now doing with these new adventures going into 
epic countries and really getting into the ultra world. So another fascinating in, um, episode to listen to and to understand how he's seen the obstacle and the ultra community change and wharf and people jump from one to the other and where he sees the sport going in the future. So that's Bad Boy Running. Very different episode to the usual. Um, it's not normally so hodgepodged, but sometimes it is. We're not paid. We're short of time. Guests cancel. We're busy. It's a nightmare. But hopefully we can still continue to uh, put episodes out each week that are still good content. And um, to help with that, if there's anyone in particular you'd like us to interview, please do suggest them. Tag us in the Facebook group. We won't necessarily get them all on. Uh, Not all of them will reply to us or we won't necessarily be able to track them all down, but we'll certainly give it a go and try and get them on there. Uh, you know, the the wider the diversity pool, the better. Uh, this is quite an unusual topic today, but we like to not just speak to fast runners, but to speak to people who are interesting or about topics that are interesting or related to, to endurance sports in some way. Um, if you're not on, if you haven't followed us on Instagram and you want to put questions to guests, then do follow us on there. We publish in advance who we're going to be speaking to. doesn't always happen because things fall through but we will ask the questions or incorporate them in the conversation with them so you can get a little bit extra out of every episode that uh, that we have and if you haven't left a five-star review please subscribe and review us on on itunes it's the the number one way by which people judge the podcast and that really helps us in getting on good guests and exposure elsewhere so uh, if you haven't done that already please, please get on there and do it. Um, So thank you so much for listening. We'll be back uh, next week with uh, an even more cut up and um, unusual episode, but I've already recorded that and it's really, really good. Danny Bent is on his way and he is just a wonderful human being to talk about um, taking 21 people who weren't ultra trained to run an ultra across Iceland and also setting up the the London relay and potentially the world relay so really really topic interesting topic for you in the forthcoming weeks Camille Heron is is uh, should be coming back in a couple of weeks uh, third time on to talk about how she broke the 24-hour world record and also just to be Camille because chatting to her is a joy because she's awesome um, and we also have the former head of WADA coming on to finally educate Jodie and I as much as as you guys on how it all works, how they test people, where the power lies in these organizations, who makes the decisions. So hopefully we can just get a clearer understanding of the issues facing our sport and, and what likely is to change. And actually the great thing is Rob, he's uh, set up a new organization with the sole intention of changing the sport and lobbying through, through the powers of the, uh, the athletes themselves. So thanks for listening. Hope you've enjoyed it and we'll see you next time. But a bye 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 I must admit I was a clone to be messing around But that doesn't mean that you have to leave town Come back Yes and give me one more try Cause I love like this Should I never ever die Come back Fuck you buddy